0: You're listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland.
1: Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles.
0: Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash SoundwisePod and on social media at SoundrisePod. Hello everyone,
1: welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast.
0: Hello Alex, how are you doing today? Hey Vlad, I'm doing good, hope you're doing well as well. Excited about this episode, uh, we're still gonna talk about the 90s, but this time we're doing uh, let's say heavy band and it's been a long time since we did such acts, so I, I appreciate your choice Vlad. And can you now introduce our audience to the band that we're going to talk about today?
1: All right. So today we're talking about this very, very influential and interesting act founded in 1983 in Washington. Not the city, but the state. And you all know what that means. We all know that Washington and particularly Seattle gave us the, the whole grunge movement. And this band, one might argue, was fundamental to that whole movement, especially because they were one of the early acts. Uh, Of course, we're talking about Melvins, if you haven't guessed so far. And for those of you who are not familiar with Melvins, I think it will be a very exciting thing for you to delve into their records following this podcast. And I hope that we will make it interesting enough for you that you will be curious enough to check them out. So Melvins, as I said, were founded in 1983 and originally... They mainly played covers by the likes of Jimi Hendrix and The Who. However, very quickly, they developed their own sound. And uh, the original lineup consisted of Buzz Osborne on guitar and vocals, Matt, Matt Lukin on bass and Mike Dillard on drums. Very soon, uh, Mike Dillard was re- replaced by Dale Crover, and it's Osborne and Crover that are the only mainstays throughout the band's career. However, one interesting thing about Melvins is that they were a very, they have always been a very adventurous band and they would always work and collaborate with other people. Sometimes they would just recruit somebody for one record and let that person add their own touch to the music. And and that's what I find very exciting, especially going through their um, Going through their output, how much freedom uh, the newcomers get in this band. A true democracy of a band, you might say. Um, Another important thing about Melvins, besides defining the early grunge sound, is that they were also very tightly connected to that whole scene, particularly to Nirvana. Uh, For example, uh, before joining the Melvins, Dale Crover was Nirvana's drummer, and he recorded some of the demo tapes with them. And speaking of drummers, it was Buzz Osborne who introduced Dave Grohl to Kurt Cobain and Krist Novoselic. So, with that, uh, bearing that in mind, we can argue that uh, this is one of the most important bands of the grunge movement. Even though many people would not necessarily define them as a grunge band because they also have a lot of heavy metal in them. A lot of their songs you might argue are pure metal and uh, a particularly sludge metal, but they're also elements of doom that we will uh, touch upon later on when we discuss the records themselves. Um, so without further ado, I want to ask my friend Alex whether he was familiar with Melvin's before we decided to do this episode and what were his initial impressions
0: all right vada so thanks for that um insightful introduction Uh, no i wasn't really familiar with these guys Um, I, i just knew i knew the name but other than that it was totally unknown to me and it was really interesting to discover them as as you guys know, uh, I'm a big fan of grunge music, especially Soundgarden, and uh, actually, Soundgarden remind me of these guys, especially with the with the first album that we're gonna discuss today. Uh, and before we get to that, I want to say that it it really is difficult to uh, give to give these guys a label. You know, it's it's really difficult to choose and to uh, decide. Um, what subgenre they belong to because they experiment a lot, they have a lot of different sounds, they do remind you of some famous and well-known genres, but they're kind of a hodgepodge in a good way, of course. So to today we're gonna start off with their debut album. It's not technical technically uh, their debut album, Vlad I think the first ever album was an EP So we're going to talk about their first LP, which is called uh, "Glory Porch Treatments. So Vlada, let's hear your thoughts on this album first.
1: All right. So um, I decided uh, this is extremely difficult, you know, to choose three records to represent a certain band, especially when you have a band like Melvin's with such a rich discography, 24 studio records, so many different experiments uh, so many different band members as well um, as I mentioned previously so naturally I think the first uh, fully realized record is the best place to start however I have to say that initially I had a bit of difficulties getting into this record not because it was bad per se I love the sound from the get-go basically what you have here is Black Sabbath on steroids, you know, with these very dark, uh, dark, doomy riffs, and uh, it kind of reminds you of uh, the stuff that Black Flag was doing a couple of years prior, you know, on records like My War, that kind of Black Sabbath inspired sound, but unlike Black Sabbath, it was far less structured. And I like that kind of chaotic nature of this music as well. It um, It's dirty. It's very real. It feels genuine. It doesn't feel pro- overproduced in any sense or form. And I like that rawness. And I like the ideas that they have in there. A lot of great riffs. But the problem is that when you listen to this, it kind of sounds like a At some point it turns into a hodgepodge you know it's very difficult to realize where one song ends and where another one begins now mind you this is not necessarily a bad thing because it does create a certain unique atmosphere so it really depends on what your preference is but this makes the record not so accessible uh, upon the first listen so it takes some time for it to sink in and naturally when i listened to it another time i felt much more positive about it on the whole i felt that it was a very good debut record i felt that the band uh, came with uh, their own sound from the very beginning you know they they didn't look for it they didn't need this kind of period where they would search and redefine their sound and call their influences they came out fully realized while simultaneously wearing their influences on the sleeve. And I think that's a, a very commandable thing. Uh, as, as for individual songs, that's, I think, the toughest part for the reasons that I stated. They all kind of blend into one another. Uh, but, for example, I really liked uh, Glow God, a very short song, 51 seconds, but amazing riffage. Uh I also liked some songs near the end. The title track is kind of similar, very short, very to the point. This sort of reminds me of the Minutemen. Not that this band sounds a lot like the Minutemen, but that same approach where you have these
0: yeah, yeah. songs. Super that only... short songs. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. and I, I really like it here. Uh, Alexander, what, what's your impression about this record?
0: Well, I have to say that I have a similar view uh, as you. And uh, speaking of Black Sabbath, let me just uh, make a quick remark here. Um, Dave Grohl, ex Nirvana and currently a member of the Foo Fighters, um, described this album as heavier and better than Black Sabbath. Um, That's uh, a, that's a
1: bold statement.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty bold statement, and I have to disagree with it. Maybe it's heavier. That's that's debatable, but definitely not better, in my opinion. Um, what also caught my attention is the fact that this album has a lot of short tracks, like one minute long or maybe two minutes long. Uh, that's that's interesting and kind of a typical, you know, not not really something that I would expect. Um, the first track is. Longer, let's say it's like six minutes long and it's my highlight to be honest. It has a really good intro Uh, It's so dark. It's so grandiose and heavy uh, and I also think that this band is all about creating that atmosphere and To be fair uh, when it comes to this album, I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics. I was uh, Listening to the instrumental work, which I personally think is the strength of this of this band, uh, in general. Um, However, on the other hand, I think that this album requires a certain mood, and if you're not in that mood, I think this may sound a bit repetitive. Just like you said, the songs tend to to sound kind of samey. Let's say, and this is a word that I picked up from you.
1: Yeah, it's not that the songs are uniform per se, uh, but it just the mood of the songs is very similar. But if you you really scratch under the surface, there's so many great ideas, so many great riffs. The thing is, I, I feel like at this point, the band came out with their own sound, which I find very unique. And you know, the interesting thing is I was thinking about, wow, there are so many stoner bands out there that sound kind of like this nowadays. But back in the 80s, I doubt that there were many bands who sounded like this. I think this was truly a step forward. Uh, However, I think that at this point, the band wasn't so good at putting their ideas together into very well-structured pieces of music. And this is... One can argue that this is the weakness of this record. On the other hand, for all you know, this might've been done on purpose. So we don't really know what was in their head, but that's just a theory on my part that perhaps they still needed time to learn how to put these great parts together.
0: Great points, Vlada. Um, I have a couple of other points to add here. I think the drumming here was excellent. That's that's a highlight. The rhythm section uh, in general is, is pretty good, even though I don't want to take anything away from uh, the guitar work. And um, something that I find a bit negative here is the singing. Those growly, throaty sounds. I so disagree
1: yeah. with you. And I, I wanted to touch upon the singing because I forgot about it, but I so disagree with you. Anyway, go on.
0: Yeah, uh, I just didn't like it, you know. That's that's maybe another reason why I focused more on, um, on the instrumental work, you know. I'm kind of used to hearing those melodic and fantastic vocals in grunge. And I know that this is not a grunge band, but when I listened to it, it kind of reminded me of Soundgarden. So I had to connect the two and I had to choose the other one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: I think all these bands like Soundgarden were perhaps influenced by the Melvins. I think the Melvins, you could argue, is one of the first original grunge bands because this is, I think, I mean, if this came out a bit later, they'd call it grunge, right? So, uh, and we will see later on when we do another record that came a few years later that it's pretty much in the vein of the grunge records of the time. Uh, however I have to say I completely disagree with you about the vocals I do agree that it's hard sometimes to follow the lyrics with this type of vocals but I really like the strength the restraint of these vocals they're very metal very 80s metal you know sometimes they even remind me of, of Metallica even though they're kind of harsher in a sense and uh, I really like that style. I think that uh, it fits the mood perfectly. You know, when, when you hear this huge dark riff descending upon you and then uh, I think Buzz starts singing, it really fits the mood perfectly right from the first word. And uh, I can't get enough of that. I really, really enjoy that. So if you like this kind of blatant uh, heavy metal that goes straight for the juggler, you will like this a lot, I think. And uh, it all sounds kind of messy, but in a good way. Sloppy, but deliberately sloppy, you know. Um, I'd love to see this band live for this very
0: reason. All right. Um, As I said, I kind of disagree about the vocals, but I think that's up to our personal preference. So, Vlada... Um, let's do our ratings, uh, and also let's pick our favorite song or favorite songs, uh, whichever you prefer. So what is your rating for this album?
1: Okay. So this was very hard because as I said, initially, I couldn't really get into it, even though I liked the overall mood and sound, but I would give this one, uh, maybe a seven because it's still a very good record, and it just takes some time for it to sink in. It's very enjoyable, lots of cool ideas. About the best track, kind of hard to decide, because they're all kind of uniform, as I mentioned, but maybe uh, the maybe um, hmm, Glow God, for some reason I really enjoy that tune. It's super short, but the riffage is amazing, so Glow God for me
0: wow interesting because i think that this album is also a seven and i wouldn't say that it's a convincing seven maybe like i don't know 6.57 at this point that's how how i would rate this album and my favorite track is uh, the first track that's called i flies yep so vlada let's move on the next record is called houdini and it was it was released in um, what was the year? Yeah, 1993. So, what do you think? Is this a departure? Do you see some similarities now? A couple of years later,
1: and, and and this is what I was talking about. So they had all these great ideas, but they didn't really gel together so well. But here, six years later, right? It seems like the band really learned their craft. And right from the get go, you have these wonderfully realized songs, wonderful riffs, but this time they're all well structured. The singing is even more powerful, I feel. Uh, There's a lot of, uh, there's more dynamics to it, right? You can easily tell songs from one another. So, a much, much, a much better record, I would say. I'm sorry if some of the hardcore fans might disagree. I really want to hear actually from you guys, if you're more familiar with Melvin's than we are, uh, in what what kind of regard you hold these records. Houdini is, of course, uh, one of those records that everybody talks about when they talk about this whole movement, and it's basically the most popular of their records.
0: It's absolutely justified.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you know what? It's the first record that they made on a big label. So, oh, I can already hear some people, that's... Selling out and so on, but no, that's actually quite interesting. Even though this is a big label record, it still sounds very much underground. It still sounds very raw. It still sounds very real. And I think it's it's a testament to the time when it was made, when grunge ruled the world, and bands like these could get more mainstream attention. What a great time that was, right? Uh, what do you think about that, Alexander?
0: Oh, well I don't actually think that I have um, any disagreements here. I think this album was way more mature. Uh, They had more options, a richer and better sound uh, overall, um, better uh, instrumental work as well. The singing is totally acceptable for for my taste, let's say, uh, and overall it's better. And I also have to mention that Kurt Cobain was involved in producing this album that's also interesting also when it comes to the songs i feel that this album has songs that are you know different in the sense that every song has something to offer they are not uniformed like they were on on the on the previous record right
1: Uh, yes on the on the previous record that we talked about of course there were quite a few records in between Uh, But yes, you can see how the band progressed, how they changed their sound, how they uh, matured into a a more interesting act. And yes, thank you for mentioning Kurt Cobain, because he took a huge part in these sessions. He was a producer of several tracks, right? And he also played the guitar on, I think it's it's a rather uh, unusual track here, Sky Pop, that we can talk about later, but... He's in there, Kurt Cobain, at least according to the credits. So yeah, again, we, we can see how Nirvana and these guys were very close, very tight. Um, another interesting thing that here on the base, we have Lorax or Lori Black, who was, and this is another uh, maybe not so important trivia uh, piece of information, but she was the daughter of Shirley Temple a famous child movie star from 1930s. I don't know if you guys uh, know who Shirley Temple is. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do, but maybe some younger viewers are not sure. But she was like a huge, the first true child star of, of Hollywood. So it's interesting how like there are all these weird connections when it comes to Melvin's. So again, about the record, as we mentioned, great songs here. Hard to single out highlights uh hooch is such a great song to open the record a very huge heavy metal riff great singing again that kind of singing that i like very 80s metal but with more edge to it i you know i was even thinking listening to this how maybe metallica got loose on load thanks to bands like this you know because they saw that there was a different approach to metal, where you could be more loose and and more sloppy and sound kind of badass, which is exactly how the Melvins sound here. And then they go through different songs. Lizzie, for example, is another great track where they have nice this guitar Yeah, yeah there. like they have this nice slow guitar part, and then it just ascends, and a wonderful melodic singing. So I also like how the singing style changes from track to track. Uh, Going Blind, a KISS cover. Very interesting. Remember uh, last time when we talked about Weezer, we uh, referenced some of their lyrics about KISS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And and they were singing about KISS. And here we have another KISS influence uh, where a KISS song got covered. Going Blind, a very good track, even the original. KISS is one of those bands that people like to hate because... Because let's face it, they're not the best human beings, especially a certain person there. Uh, but the <laughs> the the early the early records by Kiss I think were very influential and very raw. That they had that kind of almost punk aesthetic because Kiss were good musicians, but they were not in any uh, shape or form virtuosos. And I think I that I think that all these bands really loved that rawness of the early KISS records, and and Going Blind fits seamlessly here. That just goes to show that KISS actually had pretty good ideas, pretty good musical ideas too. Then we have uh, Honey Bucket, which is another of my highlights. Perhaps maybe my favorite song here. It's very hard to decide. Also very metal, very aggressive. Again, great riffs, great attitude in vocals. kind of reminds me of all those thrash bands, but without thrash. We don't have thrash, but we have more of this sludge metal sound, this kind of doom metal sound. It's so dark and powerful at the same time. Very Black Sabbath inspired, as we already mentioned. Uh, And then the record doesn't really have weak spots. Maybe like these songs from uh, seven to let's say 10, are not as good as the previous ones but they're still excellent i i didn't i didn't spot any weak moment here uh there were some experimental moments though alexander what do you think
0: yep uh, i think that the, the diversity in in this with this record is astonishing and you know some of the some of the songs uh, have that same quality but their features are different now uh, for example, Night Goat is a very good track. Um, you mentioned Lizzie, which had those nice guitar tweaks. Uh, Sky Pop is my highlight. Uh, I think it has a fantastic intro and a wicked bassline. Also, Joanne of Arc, another um, another track that has great rhythms, rhythm section. You see, that's parts.
1: interesting. Sorry to interrupt you, but your favorite tracks are on the second half, and mine are on the first half, which just goes to show how consistent the record is
0: yep there you go so overall i think that this is like a peak album like an album that uh pictured their greatest years now i'm not familiar with their entire catalog but i would say that this album sounds like you know when you're on the top of your career
1: for sure i think the the band here is on the top of their game However, I have to say, and we will talk about it very soon, uh, I don't think that this band has gotten any worse over the years. Actually, I really enjoy the new stuff too that we will touch upon very, very soon, as I said. Agreed. But yeah, this is definitely, for a good reason, their most celebrated record. So many great tracks, so many great ideas. It sounds very accessible, and at the same time, it's edgy. It's. Um, it doesn't compromise, there's no compromises here, despite this record being released on a major label. And speaking of major label, it's interesting that at one point, uh, later on, Melvins wanted to do a very experimental record, and they couldn't do it on their label, because they didn't want to allow something like that. So they went even further with their sound into more experimental waters, so to say. And the band had to release this record on another label with a name that was just a mirror image of their actual name because they couldn't use their name due to the contractual obligations. Imagine this, how badass that sounds and let, uh, let me see what that record is. I know that all of your fans know already what I'm talking about uh, but for us this is something new as we're learning about this band and I think it's really cool and I can't express enough how how amazing the whole attitude that this band has is. I uh, feel it's very punk in essence. We can say that they're grunge, they're metal, they're all these different things, but ultimately they're a punk band.
0: Yeah, and that that was the case I think with most grunge bands. You know, punk was at the heart of their um at the heart of their existence. And I think that that was the case with most rock bands in the 90s, Vlad. I think that was the case with Weezer, I think Oasis and some other Famous rock bands from the 90s were heavily influenced by by punk music, I would say. I mean,
1: yeah, especially those generations pretty much grew up with punk and it really transformed the way they thought about music. And it was punk that uh, also emboldened a lot of kids to pursue a career in rock and roll because prior to that, you had all those, I think, amazing prog bands. But to play in a prog band, you really had to be a master of your instrument. While anyone with a bit of skills could play in a good punk band. So I think that was really a defining moment and a very good moment for rock music in general, because creativity is not always dependent on the technical prowess. And we have a lot of examples, even starting with the likes of the Rolling Stones, where uh, playing well doesn't necessarily mean being fully proficient on your instrument
0: yeah agreed um any other comments vlada i think i'm done uh, when it comes to this album yeah
1: let's slide into the ratings so for this one i would rate it 8.5 and the best track for me i think oof, so hard so hard but it for now it's honey bucket but that can change
0: good choice um my rating is um however lower For now, I think I need to give this um, album another try. So I'm going with a well-deserved 7.5, and my highlight is Sky Pop, as I said. So Vladim, the third album is about to be discussed, and uh, 25 years later, um, these guys released an album that's called Pincus Abortion Technician. No idea what that means. I think one of the members is Jeff Pincus. So maybe that's a joke or, or something else. Yes. Um, do so, you have any insight on that? Of course.
1: <laughs> so Jeff Pincus uh, was originally a member of the legendary the Butthole Surfers, a very well-known punk underground band.
0: <laughs> what a ridiculous name.
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is a, this is a highly influential and important band. And one of their records, one of their early records, was called Locust Abortion Technician. So this is a reference to that. And even one of the songs on this record is a cover from that record. Of course, Jeff Pincus played a major role in uh, The Butthole Surfers. And here, interestingly enough, on this record, even though he's kind of fresh as a member, he plays the principal role here. He wrote most of the songs, most of the music, there are also some really cool cover tracks here that we're going to talk about. And this is why, I, as I mentioned previously, I appreciate this band so much. They were willing to hand the reins to somebody else. Let somebody else lead the way. And the results are all the better for it. Because I feel this is another excellent release by the band and uh, very different from the previous two that we heard, yet you you still hear that same band, you still hear that same sound. So, Alexander, before I move on, I want to ask you, what did you think about this record? Were you surprised at changes 20-some years later, or was this the exact thing that you expected?
0: Okay, that's a good question. Um, since um, Since we also did... Uh, the latest record of Weezer, you in, in our last episode, and it was a completely different thing, I kind of um, approached this record with the same kind of prejudice, you know, maybe this will sound poppy and softer, but it was actually the opposite, I, I think they still kept their heaviness and, and grit, but the sound is not entirely the same, they still experiment a lot, you know, when you when you take a look at the tracks here. Okay, the first track, Stop Moving to Florida. It sounds like a radio-friendly rock song, and it reminds me of the 80s, which I think was the case with the whole, with the whole album here. It was kind of um, paying tribute to the 80s music, punk, hard rock, You know, many elements of of that era, but, um, you know, the heaviness wasn't gone. The singing was still good. At this point, it's kind of weird to think that this was released 25 years later. This sounds like it was uh, one of the, you know, successors of the records that we talked about previously.
1: Yes, because as you said, this is a band that has a lot of integrity. They do experiment a lot here. For example, we have two bass players on the record, which is another interesting thing. And you see they're willing to take in other creative musicians and let them refresh their sound a bit. So you still hear that uh, 80s, early 90s grunge, underground sound. However, the songs do have a different feel to it. Pincus has a few really great songs here, like Don't Forget to Breathe and I love that the, it's, it's a very long track here. Most of the other songs are... Well, some some tracks are like around four-minute mark. Some are shorter. But this one is truly long, almost eight minutes. And you, I love that whole musical journey, the way he develops the song, the vocals. The vocals, sometimes they sound super melodic. And then you hear several people coming in with backing vocals. And it's it's so... Uh, it's it just so enjoyable, and, and at the same time, it, it still retains that edge that the band had on the previous records that we talked about. So you can tell that this is a very mature act that follows their muse. And uh, there are some other examples here, like uh, a Flamboyant Duck had some yeah, that amazing, was cool. amazing, amazing guitar work. Like There's this acoustic part, and then all of a sudden... It just uh, transitions into these really cool, almost, uh, I don't know what it reminds me of. It kind of reminded me of even of Keith Richards. These like really cool guitar riffs. um, Kind of uh, a departure from like the other stuff that we talked about. And I like that. Break Bread, the great punk tune. Again, Pincus at the helm. Uh, And then we have covers. I want to hold your hand, interestingly enough as we know by the Beatles. And uh, uh, and this follows a long-standing tradition of punk bands covering up famous hits and classics and totally messing them up. But here it's so much fun to listen to it. And I think this is the best way possible to cover the Beatles because if you, if you get too serious about it, you'll never match the brilliance of Lennon, McCartney, and uh, Harrison and Ringo. So... This is such a perfect way to cover the song. I really enjoyed it. And overall, a very short record, 37 minutes, which I also think is perfect. It just all seems so seamless, so wonderfully arranged.
0: Alexander, anything you'd like to add? I would just like to quickly ask you, uh, do you think that this album is generally more accessible compared to the older stuff?
1: Mm, That's a good question. I think... Um, it is. I feel it is. Yeah, 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 it is. And I think it's mostly because uh, a, there's more dynamics, the songs are more accessible. like there are all these like slow parts and kind of clean singing, and then there are parts with the more aggressive singing and and uh, riffs. So I like the dynamics overall, especially I think Jeff Pincus brought a lot of that here. And now I'm really curious about his other work because I wasn't so familiar with him. He's had quite a few bands. Uh, And also, the, the Butthole Surfer's cover, Graveyard, has that same groove that was on the original record, but the singing part is much, much different. So I had to go and check out the original following this, and I really enjoyed both versions. So a really nice addition that fits the mood of the record. A very hard, groovy riff, just going just repeating itself over and over till the end of the tune. A very, very simplistic approach, yet very effective. And so this is like a record that has so much diversity in terms of how the band goes from very fast and very simple songs to more elaborate parts, to more uh, sophisticated parts and songs. And I think that's why this really uh, deserves to to be uh, in anyone's collection as, as far as uh, grunge fans or alternative rock fans are concerned. Such a, such a great record, I think.
0: Yeah, and uh, given the fact that this record is good and it doesn't lose any originality, um, actually, this makes me excited about the upcoming album that's called Working With God, and it is... It is uh, going live basically in a couple of days, um, so that's 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 really fun. Um, I think that's it for now, Vlada. Uh, I will now give you my ratings and my rating actually and my favorite track. I think uh, this album is also seven point five, uh, a well deserved seven point five. As I said uh, for the for the previous record, the previous record that we discussed, of course, and the favorite track is kind of difficult to pick here you mentioned flamboyant duck i think that's a very good track uh, but i think i will actually go with prenup butter instead vlada back to you
1: oh yeah that's a great track kind of reminded me a bit of sound garden even uh, but I-, I would say my favorite track even though as you said it's extremely difficult uh probably uh flamboyant duck or don't forget to breathe i'm kind of in Two minds about it, I'm not really sure. A bit strung out, but let's say Flamboyant Duck. And the rating is, I think, also... mm, I would say 8, because I wouldn't rate it as high as Houdini. But I still think it's an excellent record. Definitely very refreshing to hear something like this. I always try to follow new releases, new music. And you don't come across such... uh, great records very often i think uh, this is a rarity and it's so good to hear a band with such a long career still being able to deliver the goods after all this time
0: yep good points okay so my final verdict on this band is that if you're a grunge fan if you're interested in grunge i think this uh, this is something that you should definitely listen to it's also interesting for us as grunge fans Um, So I recommend this band. I think if you're, uh, you know, in the mood for some aggression, energy and uh, overall experiments and doom, um, this this band has a lot to offer. Any final words from you, Vlada?
1: Well, first of all, I just want to thank all of our patrons. Thank you so much, especially for being patient with us because we haven't been very active lately. And that's going to change, as you see. However, We can't produce as much content as we did in the past, but we will do our best to produce the best possible content for you. So thank you so much for your support. And for others who would like to support us, we really appreciate uh, any kind of support, even if it's just words of encouragement, or if you want to support us financially, you can go to our Patreon page, and with as little as $1, you can... Uh, You can get some special benefits and uh, we cannot express how thankful we would be for something like that.
0: Yep, and you can also follow our content on, uh, on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Pod. That's our handle. Um, see you in two weeks, guys. Thanks a lot for uh, sticking with us. We hope you'll have some uh, positive feedback. Uh, stay safe and uh, we'll speak to you soon.
2: Write a review and then you can share it with the world in any social media platform. And then your friends see it and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and Castbox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day, which is on the eighth of every month of every year, of every century, of every you get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of Hashtag pod rev day, podcast review day. Because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly (laughs) good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day, because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Podrev Day. P O D R E V D A Y.